Hi, and welcome to our Support and Leaders in Education podcast. My name is Claire Boyle. I'm the Events Manager for Witherslack Group, and I'll be hosting today's session, which will focus on something that has become even more vital, if that was possible, in the last few weeks, the recovery curriculum. This is our third podcast in the Support and Leaders in Education series, and we're delighted to have some wonderful experts with us today to chat and guide us through our topic. So now I'd like to introduce the listeners to our guests today. First up, we have Dr. Tony Lloyd, who is CEO of the ADHD Foundation, a charity that we're working in partnership with to deliver the Support and Leaders in Education series. And we also have Professor Amanda Kirby, CEO of an online screener and assessment company and clinical advisor for With a Slack Group. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Thanks very much, Claire. I know I've given a little bit of an introduction there, but before we carry on with our questions, would you guys like to introduce yourselves a little bit more and say a little bit about about your work? Uh, so thank, thank you very much for inviting me to talk this morning with you. Um, I'm a, a funny-headed animal because uh, I'm a, a professor in developmental disorders, but also worked in education for a long time. And, uh, and a parent of neurodivergent children. So very used to thinking about, uh, the education system and, and the challenges that many people have got in leadership at the moment to deal with the varying, the, the constant change that has gone on over the last nine months now, you know. So, um, I'm very pleased to be here this morning to talk with you and to Tony as well. Thanks, Amanda. Right, uh, good morning, everybody. Um, again, Claire, thanks very much uh, for the invitation to speak. Hello, Amanda. Um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I couldn't agree with with you more really in terms of the introduction point here, Claire. And I think certainly for us as a service, although we offer training nationally in the northwest of England, we have um, psychologists and therapists working across over 200 educational uh, providers providing a, a, an integrated health and education service um, supporting teachers, children and their parents all on the school site. Um, so it's a very, very kind of relevant topic here because we're seeing firsthand how um, what's happened over the past year particularly has really impacted on the whole school community, not just children. And I think we do have to really look at this in the round. And I think you're absolutely right. Um, It presents an extraordinary new challenge, doesn't it, for school leadership teams and for school leaders. It's okay. So what do our school community need to do together with each other for each other rather than what are we going to do to children? Um, It's a very, very different conversation that we've all got to have because actually it's impacted on everybody um, and in different ways. And we need to understand each other's frame of reference, the children, the parents, uh, and for the parents and to some extent the children understanding how this is impacting on their teachers and their dinner ladies and their school caretaker and everybody else who's involved in the school community. Yeah. And I think that's a very important point, Tony, is that that link to the external community that Teachers and teachers will be living in the community. Parents will be living in the community. And actually schools and leaders thinking about how we connect together is going to be incredibly important to utilise everybody's skills moving forward in this recovery curriculum. It, it yeah. is. It, it's, it's co-construction, isn't it? <clears throat> it really is involving everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Oh, th- thank, thank you ever so much. Right. OK, so... Um, 
we'll move on to our questions now for the recovery curriculum. The first um, question we've got here is, um, so for a, for a school who do want to implement a recovery curriculum for, the, for their pupils, um, you know, where should they start? What are the building blocks for this? So I think the first thing is, is we think about survive, revive and thrive. So we're thinking about this in stages. So we need to provide routine and structure. And I think that's something we all want. It's really important. It's the core of the recovery curriculum that uh, parents know what to expect, that pupils know. And if you're a leadership team, the teachers in your school, TAs, everybody in your team knows exactly what's going to happen, even if it's going to change. And we know we've seen that more than ever, this this, uh, change all the time. But we're going to need routine and structure as much as we possibly can to provide a framework. I think we go back to the fundamentals of education, which is we go back to Maslow and that children and the teachers need to feel safe. Um, And that's going to be the starting point of the survive bit is really ensuring that the teachers feel safe and the pupils feel safe returning. Um, And then we can start to build on the uh, connectivity, thinking about friendship and opportunity, and it needs to be a strengths-based approach. So I think that's the one thing, is how do we garner the things that people can do well within our teams as well? So a strengths-based approach is going to be really important. Yeah, and, and I think as well, that, that, that point about understanding how it's impacted on everybody. I mean, we do have this new phenomenon of lockdown anxiety, don't we? Mm. Which has affected lots of people in lots of different ways. Um, it would be easy to make assumptions based on our own experience. Um, and this is why, again, I think it's really important that we do start looking at some of the basic stuff around what do children need, what do families need, what do teachers, what do our school staff need around that sense of safety, a sense of being, you know, equal stakeholders, really, in terms of how we all work through this together. We cannot do this on our own. Um, but I think also that starting block, really, of of looking what is it that we've actually lost or, what, you know, what has been the impact of this? And I think we do have to acknowledge it. And I think we've got to be very careful and considered about what our strategy is going to be as leaders in educational settings around what are the issues that we are going to have to address? Um, you know, it, uh, I mean, Amanda's mentioned routine and structure, but I also think, you know, I mean, you know, there's been this debate for quite some time, hasn't it? That, that, that you know, it, we've kind of built children in schools around the curriculum, um, and yet we've seen massive disruption to the curriculum. Um, how we assess attainment within that curriculum framework has been massively disrupted with the cancellation of exams. We know that the impact on examination performance of this situation is going to impact on school exam results for a couple of years to come. So thinking first about, you know, what has been the impact? What are some of those losses? Um, And including for some people, that will be bereavement. Um, But, you know, we have high levels of anxiety amongst the school workforce, amongst parents, among children. So I think we do need to kind of sit and think about, okay, well, what are the losses? Yes, this disruption, um, the anxiety it's caused, the trauma that it's caused, 
um, let's understand at a very human level what our needs are as a school community and then let's start thinking about what we do to address that. Let's build the curriculum around the community and and reassess what our view you know, of that framework is and what constitutes attainment within that framework. I think it really does need to be seen through the prism of a very, very different period in time um, because, you know, it needs a new model, doesn't it? It needs a fresh approach, certainly for the next two to three years, because that's how long we're going to be dealing with the impact of it. I think that I think the loss piece is really important and recognising that also people have had different very different experiences yes and we can't assume so we can't make assumptions about the children who've been going through and the experience they've had and the teachers as well but the other side of that I think is a positive framing is for some children they will have made gains and I think as as a school to celebrate and to recognize what skills children will have learned during this time they might have gained resilience they might have coped in very difficult survival and actually coped well and come out of it, they might have learned a set of skills, life skills, 21st century skills, you know, so they've been doing their beds and making meals and and doing things that they wouldn't have done before, right? And I think actually, when we're building this recovery curriculum, it's also about celebrating what the skills children have gained uh, and celebrating sort of, yes, you managed in incredibly difficult times. How do we harness that as well and celebrate Amanda, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think when we are at a point in the not too distant future when vaccinations have have made full time schooling, you know, uh, the norm again, I think you're absolutely right. We have to start really from a positive perspective of okay let's celebrate all the positives particularly Mm. for the children and the parents let's let's recognize let's publicly recognize and thank everybody and recognize every bit of effort every child has made however small that has been we have got to start off from that strength-based approach we got through it and this is what we're going to do to make sure that we recover from it as a school yeah. community. Yeah, undoubtedly. And I think it is, it's recognising that um, everybody's feelings and experiences are valued equally, that there isn't a hierarchy of feelings or a hierarchy of you suffered more than me. And recognising and, and you know, I think um, saying that openly, which is however what your experience is true and real. You know, and I think that's an important thing for everybody not to go, well, yours was much worse than mine. Because actually, everybody's feelings and experiences are personal to themselves. Justified, yeah, and just and justified exactly. Yes, yeah. so I think that's important yeah. to acknowledge that and vocalise that really as well. That there is, and I think government are aware, yeah, government are aware of this, aren't they? I think there's a great deal of communication happening between Department for Education and Department for Health because they recognise that it does require an integrated approach. Mm. It's good, you know that. Yeah, that's really good. Um, and so I feel like when we're going through the questions, there might be some sort of bits of crossover and everything like that. But I'll, I'll read the next question out to you guys. OK, um, so we've got the, re- the recovery curriculum article discusses five losses that children face from the pandemic. The loss of routine, structure, friendship, opportunity and freedom. 
and you know staff are going to be limited with the time when they return to school and so I know it's going to be individual for each child but in your opinion which of these do you think needs to you know take priority Oh, do you know, I mean, again, I think if we're going to be child-centred about this, if we're going to be community-centred, I think some of those priorities are going to differ according to which yeah. which individual you're talking about. And this is why, again, the point that this, you know, yes, senior leadership teams are going to have to take responsibility for coordinating all of this, but please don't do it without involving parents and without involving teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There really does have to be this co-construction of this recovery curriculum I think Um, but I think it also presents them with actually a wonderful opportunity to actually say do you know what we really can start from scratch here let's think again about what is you know what way can we do this differently and also in terms of the content of the curriculum I know with a lot of the schools that we've been working with and particularly primary schools they've effectively had to abandon a lot of the national curriculum and be using you know play therapy as a way of just helping children understand and process the situation that they're in as a precursor to learning because in fact they're not ready to access many part many aspects of the curriculum just yet because there is this more fundamental need that you know amanda mentioned when we first started um, that has to be addressed and somehow we've got to inculcate that into the curriculum Um, and whether that's about looking at the content of the curriculum um, and interpreting some of that through the context of what the pandemic has done but also I think um, looking at how in any lesson in any curriculum subject we can help to make it relevant and contextualize it so that we can better understand what the experience has been of the whole community and and I think you know it's going to be a learning curve for everybody isn't it you you know certainly for a lot of educate for a lot of education professionals they always say well you know I'm not a mental health professional like you know but again it needs a holistic approach um you know so it's important really that you know resources like this podcast and um, a lot of the training that's being offered to schools that we really do look at this you know we all know that intellectual development and education attainment are underpinned by so many other things and we have to make sure that we're addressing some of those needs or at least identifying what those needs are and not you know this is again making the curriculum serve the child yeah rather than the other way around and I think that's a really important point, that it's it's got to be child-centred and it's got to be at the emotional stage that that child is at. So your approach is going to be different because some children are going to have had less interaction, contact, play, and they need to catch up. So we, you know, I think when you're looking at sort of routine structure, friendship, opportunity and freedom, well, it is going to have to be child-centred because some of those children are going to have to have practice in doing social engagement. It's got to be a strengths approach. Yeah, so thinking course. about building relationships uh, and, and retaining relationships, some kids are going to have had seriously less experience of that. So that's and going to be important. And how do we, I mean, you know, for a lot of, you know, 
leaders and emerging and aspiring leaders in education, you know, the question is going to be, well, how do we recalibrate the curriculum? I think mm. that's the big discussion, isn't it? How, who decides what is important, what yeah. needs to be in there, and more to the point, how, you know, how are we going to measure this? Because I think we can't just look at exam results as the measure of attainment and success anymore. We have to be looking at a broader set of outcomes um, you know, and uh, you know, to some extent, yes, mental health. Um, I, I think really we do. You know, we do need to be thinking about what are we measuring. I agree, but I think we've got to, we've got. I think the curriculum around the child is going to be core, and I think that yes. if you think about unpacking the curriculum, and we're talking about gains and losses, a lot of the gains will be around soft skills. They're around digital skills. They're around twenty first yeah. century skills. Yeah. So absolutely, actually, we yeah. say, Let's take the, put the curriculum on its head and say, well, actually, we've just flipped the classroom, and we've got twenty first century skills. People, children will have are doing online learning in a way that we could never imagine. So let's mm. take some of that and say, well, we've upped the game with the 21st century skills for some children. They've got great digital skills. What are the bits that are missing? So there's going to have to be, a, I think, a gap analysis to say, mm. OK, how do we achieve that? Because some kids won't have had those digital skills and won't have had digital opportunities. So that is going to have to be child-centred you're going to have to say, what are the gaps? But keeping a focus on what we need for the 21st century. And I do think the sort of term build back better has been used yes. lots. But actually, there is an opportunity here for us to have I a, not, yeah. just, you know, not just recovery, but let's use this as an incredible opportunity to flip yeah. towards the 21st century because we yeah. can do flip classrooms. We've proven it. Yeah. And blended learning, I think, is something that's going to stay with us. Um, I think this has just accelerated a lot of things that we knew needed to be done. And and it's just brought it to the sort of forefront a lot quicker. Yeah. Okay. Thanks ever so much. Right. Okay. So um, I'll move on to the next question now. So, um, So the pandemic has meant that, you know, we're talking about losses and everything. We've already discussed it, but the pandemic has meant that, you know, children are hearing about the, all the consequences of COVID on a daily basis. And, you know, it's on the news. Parents are talking about it. And, you know, some may have lost loved ones throughout the pandemic. Um, so, you know, how can teachers sort of manage this and prepare to tackle this, this particular issue? I think it's got to be age appropriate. That's the first thing. Yeah. You know, I think we have to acknowledge it because it's happened, but we've got to do it in an age appropriate way. That so they, And uh, I think in some schools we've been working with, they're thinking about having sort of a memorial services and a sense of right. celebrating yeah. and acknowledging that loss. In one school we're working with in the community, um, they've had a lot of deaths in that community. It's a multicultural school uh, with and many of, and some of the staff have died as well. And I think you can't move forward without saying this has happened. Right, but and I think acknowledging you, it and acknowledging it. But I think you've got to do it in an age appropriate manner. So that might be about children drawing, expressing their thoughts, 
writing down and, and creating things in a way that acknowledge that they're allowed to write letters to. So there's a series of activities that you can do in schools that allow that to happen so we can move forward. And, and describing and also skilling up if you're in leadership is skilling up your teachers to understand about grief and what the grief cycle is like and recognizing um, that loss comes in different forms. And so anger, denial, uh, feeling withdrawing and, and recognizing the children might be presenting in different ways and so knowing what loss looks like. Being able to spot it in the classroom. And spot and it is going to yeah. be very important as well. Yeah. And I think we need, I think, you know, again, school leadership teams need to facilitate this for their staff. I think the same thing needs to happen for the teaching yeah, staff. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, yeah. um, and, and again, it's this, you know, because we've had conversations, haven't we? And I know Amanda and I have had conversations about, you know, you know, creating a, a you know, a, a community of of caring and well-being and you know that we, we're using words aren't we like recovery rebuilding resilience we've got to actually explore what that means for different people um and certainly i know a lot of teacher colleagues who've been very worried about you know elder parents um teacher colleagues we've worked with who've had to remove themselves from teaching altogether because they're expecting a child um there are so many different ways and i think again it is this thing as well isn't it about let's be realistic as well about the time frames that we allow people and and you know this has been a lot of debate hasn't there again about well exams are going to be cancelled in june but then it's going to be back to normal next year and i'm thinking well you know what does that look like i think actually it really needs it needs a lot of fresh thinking and i think also we've got to understand that, that again um we're going to have to use some slightly different measures here in terms of understanding what a successful recovery curriculum means it is not just going to be about exam results um you know and i think teachers need to be involved in understanding where their own well-being and and their sense of belonging and that whole concept of a community of well-being is you know from a strength-based approach celebrating as amanda said the many of the good things that have come out on about come out of that building on it for the future um but maybe this is also again an opportunity where you know well-being in the workplace for children and teachers because we know we have um, extra- I mean, we had extraordinary levels of learner anxiety among school children before the pandemic started. Um, this has exacerbated it. And maybe, you know, now it's like, well, we need to ask the question, why did 20% of the school age population reach the diagnosable threshold for anxiety? And that was before the pandemic. So, you know, there are some questions to be asked here, but I think it's the whole school community. But again, from a strength-based approach, it's like, okay, we see it now, we understand it. It's not going to be helpful to re-traumatise ourselves by dwelling on everything that's gone wrong. It's about what were the positives, what do we take forward for everybody here, parents, children and, and, and school staff. And I think that's one of the things is actually one of the things we've gained during this time, I think, for lots of schools is connectivity with their community. It has been where you've seen some amazing work with communities, working with parents, helping them with food really and pulling all, all, together really putting together yeah. in so yeah. many ways and I suppose that's the bit that we need to pull on for if we're thinking about moving forward line in the sand in terms of deal 
address the loss, recognise it, move forward and build on resilience and, and harness resilience. So that positive message is actually the bit that's going to help the school recover and also maintain those those relationships with the community that we won't we don't want to lose them when we go back we don't want to go back keep to them the, going yeah, yeah. absolutely because yeah. that's the bit that says your school in the and the community are going to be much stronger uh, and more and more resilient as a whole so it's not just the resilience of the school you're trying to make embed that in the community as well yeah, I mean, I, and teaching and learning is a relationship, isn't it? And I think this idea of putting relationships before rules and rubrics, because actually we need to kind of get, there is some very basic thinking here that needs to be kind of looked at afresh, isn't there? Um, you know, and I think of necessity, something really quite important in terms of everybody understanding their own basic humanity across that school community, uh, it, you know, is going to be, a, 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 I think, a much needed um, and refreshing prism through which to view this situation because again it comes back to that point we've all said haven't we is that we can't do this in isolation no, just when you were both talking then uh, t- Tony you said something about it uh, like fresh thinking and that feels like so many like things you, you know we're, we're all having to start to think a bit differently now and mm. I like that sort of you know um it feels positive talking well, about fresh thinking, you know. Yeah. Amanda and I had a conversation earlier on and we were talking about, you know, teacher well-being particularly and, and this idea of, you know, I mean, it's a whole school inset, which is often kind of, you know, well, it's about this aspect of the Ofsted framework and things like this that maybe actually we really need to look at adding you know allowing more term time for 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 teacher training for staff inset but actually building in team team building skills communication skills teacher well-being skills as an integral part of the annual inset curriculum i think well-being i think well-being of the teachers is going is crucial going forward and it's going to be because we're seeing teachers burning out and 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 teacher really fatigued not surprisingly dealing with everything Mm -hmm. and if we're going to move forward it's a bit like the thing on the airline you know that you have to put your mask on you before you put your mask on the child right is actually you've got to get yourself right you can't teach children unless you feel in a in a control all those things around the recovery curriculum for the for the children are actually the same for the lead, for the teachers as well you need routine and structure you need friendships you need opportunity to develop and you need a sense of freedom that you've got some choice and so the recovery curriculum is as much for the teachers as it is for the children. And I, I do think we've got to make sure that um, that in the leadership roles, we allow space and time for teachers to be able to reflect on their own well-being and allow to talk about that. Because I think all of us have felt at this time feelings of anxiety in all sorts of ways. But knowing that you're part of a community and it's not you on your own is going to be important going forward. So you you connecting and you've got time to do that. That's going to make a difference to your well-being and then being able to teach children effectively. Yeah. And that's been an emerging trend in industry, hasn't it, over the past few years, Amanda, where, you know, um, where work. You know, workplace performance is understood in the context of the well-being, uh, you know, resilience and um, 
skills of your workforce in terms of how they maintain optimum performance you've got to start with how you look after yourself um, and we all know that but actually sometimes it does help to have some training to actually help you understand what potential sort of strategies and and, and choices that you have that might support you with that agenda you know and I think that's one of the things is by, if you're talking about well-being of children and the staff is that we all present differently when we're feeling stressed you know, and getting teachers yeah. to understand actually if we're going to work effectively in, in teams, um, recognising how others around us might communicate and be feeling and presenting when they're not coping as well. So we need to recognise that in the kids, but we need to also recognise it in our, on our fellow colleagues, how they yeah. might be feeling on, the, on a certain yeah. day. You might be up, they might be down. We're going to have a bit of that sort of wavy business going on for quite a time. And actually having that embedded in an understanding of of well-being is recognizing in children but recognizing in ourselves as well yeah and i think that sense of helplessness because i know in you know in many schools there is this whole thing isn't there about you know um you want to be you know you want to be seen as competent and coping uh, well that's fine and some of us are much better than others at presenting that even when that's not what we're feeling inside um you know and i think again it's that thing isn't it about what we're communicating to people is not necessarily what we articulate it can present in a number of different ways and i think it's again we've got to help you know our, our education professionals um have the opportunity to learn how to do that more effectively um, when often they're working in a school environment where they're with children all day long and their opportunities to interact with colleagues and and garner supportive relationships with colleagues is restricted to you know maybe half an hour at lunchtime if they're lucky maybe half an hour at the end of the day and I think maybe we need to look at how we can prioritize that and structure that in such a way so that it is an important part of whatever you know we design as a school community in terms of what our curriculum recovery is going to look like. And I think opening up those opportunities. I was talking to a, a group of a, a team the other day and um, looking at their well-being. And one of the things that came out of it, we were polling them to look at how they were feeling. And I was presenting back some of the data. And one of the things that came out very heavily was that. I didn't realise that everybody felt like I was feeling. <laughs> so, you know, there was like, so, cause there was a high poll saying high levels of anxiety that were coming out, yeah. but they hadn't realised it amongst each other that everybody was feeling in a similar sort of way. So having the opportunity to share that together um, and providing space for that is going to be really important. And I think when it comes to the recovery curriculum for the pupils, pupils is having time and space for well-being is core to the curriculum is going to be incredibly important. Yeah. Forevermore, you know, yes. why not? Yeah. You know, not just for now, but it should be, shouldn't it? Yeah. And I mean, I think I feel like you've probably already gone over it. One of the things I was just making some notes then to say we're talking about um, what can you know we do for staff to make sure that they are having those conversations and and everything like that but are there key things that um you know we should be putting in place for staff and um children you know to improve and support their mental health when 
things do return to some kind of normality if we can use that i think it starts now i don't think we wait Mm. it starts now um but again i think it's it's important how it's done it it needs to be structured it needs to be strength-based um, and it, it needs to be person-centred and child-centred. And maybe there might be slightly different needs for parents, slightly different needs for teachers, slightly different needs for, for children. Um, but I think we've got to be focused on the fact that we have to devote time and consideration to what it looks like and how we do it so that the way we do it is effective. Yeah. Um, you know, rather than because um, we could, you know, we could find everybody sort of sat in a room talking about how awful it's been. And we know that. Um, and while we've got to allow people an opportunity to talk about that, we've also got to, again, from a strength based approach, let's acknowledge that. Now, what do we do to move forward so that yeah. we don't stay stuck in this space mm-hmm. that we've been in? I think it's really important Um that, that we do have, a, you know, it's got to be, a, a, I think, a well-considered, thought-out plan by every school leadership team um, so that it is effective. And we measure that effectiveness in some way um, because every school community might have to adapt slightly differently to how it's affected them. You know, as one, I mean, Amanda mentioned before about some schools where there have been multiple bereavements. Um, we have to, I think... I mean, you know, people have used the word kindness a lot, haven't they? And it's always mm-hmm. been one of my favourite words. It's one of the smallest words. It's got four letters. Um, but I think part of all of that is this idea about looking forward, moving forward, feeling like we are back in control of our lives, setting goals for ourselves that include lifestyle goals around well-being, goals around personal achievements that we want to achieve for ourselves professional goals and and looking at all of those in the round and understanding the bits that we do by ourselves and with our family and friends the bits that we do with our colleagues the pieces and the bits that we do with children let's let's do this well we've got we've got an agenda here everybody knows that something needs to be done let let's make a good job of it i think there's a lot of really good resources coming out there right now um let's start making a really sort of detailed plan about how we're going to go about this but let's not wait until everybody's been vaccinated we need to start doing that now I think one of the things is building on that is really allowing, really thinking about a voice for all and the way that that, so every child has got an opportunity to engage. So I think that goes back to the sort of child centeredness as well, is that for some children, it might be drawing pictures, it might be doing a song and it might be doing a rap and it might be sitting in a circle and, and talking. But we've got to recognize that the way that each child will participate will need to be thought of as being accessible and offering those opportunities to communicate in different ways. And I think, as I think Tony rightly says, we can't wait. We can actually start the recovery now because we're thinking about engagement and we're thinking about well-being and we're thinking about the well-being of the teachers. We can start to build resilience now and also start to build to celebrate what we've gained, what are we gaining. Yeah you know, to have a positive steer. Otherwise, we go into the sort of spiral of downward anxiety about what's happening. And actually, there's some really good stuff. You know, in lots of schools, you can celebrate some of the sharing of materials, sharing of resources, 
lots of learning you know there's that's one of the things it's happening sort of again at the moment in this now next this wave of people giving away their ideas their strategies their tools their experience let's make sure we don't lose that so i think that's really important as a positive thing um to build build on yeah no that's great so i mean as we as we come to the end of the podcast now i'm just wondering have either of you got any sort of final thoughts or or things you just want to say before we sort of close our our podcast today we've covered some some great and uh, do you know what i really like when talking it's all you you try to keep it really positive and everything and you know about looking forward and everything and yeah that's really good so any final thoughts from you guys sorry i'm chatting on (laughs) i think just uh, uh, you know a big thank you um to to schools who have you know gone through an extraordinary period um it's brought out some amazing innovation i've seen some incredible work being done by teachers i've seen a phenomenal amount of engagement among parents who are really much more concerned and interested and knowledgeable about their child's learning and education and achievement um i think you know there is there is something happened here um that really can be built on in terms of how as a school community we are much more more collaborative in our shared values and objectives about wanting the best for children's education and well-being and the future and again find an opportunity create an opportunity schedule it now for some of that celebration of the positives you know that there's got to be something we need to inspire encourage uh, and motivate um, and thank everybody you know appreciation is 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 we take so many things for granted, particularly, and I think I've spoken to a lot of parents who said, you know, I just took so much for granted about what schools did and what teachers did. Um, I have a far better understanding now of how challenging it is to work in a classroom with 20 to 30 children when I've been at home with one or two. Um, you know, um, the, the, that, there's a real positive there. But again, you know, it does take a village. And I know it's an old cliche. Um, and for me, that's one of the really positive things. And I really do hope that we can find ways to really really develop that and make it flourish so that it's far more effective for everybody and that teachers and parents uh, are supporting each other uh, in that shared endeavor of giving children the best possible education that they could get that as amanda pointed out is relevant to the context that we're in in the 2020s in a rapidly changing world um you know this has i think accelerated things that we all needed to do um so there is a positive in all of this um and and again i think it is about uh, you know a thank you and an appreciation to everybody because everybody's contributed something yeah I'd agree entirely with all, all that Tony said. I think we we realised that for many people we're not teachers, and if you're not a teacher, and you, you I yeah. think people. <laughs> if we didn't realise it before, I think we know think, it now. Uh, we know it now. So I think yeah. that there's there's a value in that celebration of everybody's yeah, individual absolutely. skills and what everybody brings to the party. I think also that. Um, celebrating the connectivity that we've had to work so families have had to work with schools and also connecting in a much more effective way so I think we need to say that recovery is is building on what we've learnt 
you know, what can we take from this that we can move forward? And you've seen it in times of struggle in hundreds of years ago, mm. you know, and in places where we've had volcanoes and, and uh, you know, all sorts of other sort of terrible things that have gone on in people, across the world that actually we can build back better. And I think we can, and I think it's celebrating that and building the resilience in our communities that will make sure that we come out of this uh, that we've learned a lot, not what yeah. we, you know, that what we've gained, not what we've lost. I think that's what we've got to focus on now. That's, yeah, no, that's a that's a good point to sort of close on. Really, that's really 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 good. So, thank you guys so much for for joining me today for this podcast. Um, I'm sure we'll be dragging you in for another one soon enough <laughs> um yeah so thank you so much to, to tony and to amanda for joining us for the support and leaders in edu- education podcast um and thank you to our listeners as well um for, for joining us and um we'll, we'll see you guys next time thanks a lot thank you very much. Yeah, thanks thank amanda you. bye-bye thank you bye